I still remember I was having my dog. Take, I was walking with my dog and it was raining and then Tommy calls me and I'm like, now I have a bad feeling and I answer him, what the fuck, what, the, what, 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 and he was like, how you know this is bad, I'm like, now I have a feeling, tell me, yeah, Karl Mark just called me and he said that he will leave the band, I'm like, oh my god, and I was like, I think I was, I quit smoking like, I don't know, half a year before that phone call, but somehow I had some cigarettes on my, you know, on my jacket <laughs> when I was out with my dog. And I, I light up the one cigarette immediately. I'm like, okay, fuck that. Yeah. That's bad. And then I called Karma, of course. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Following the conclusion of the Monsterkin dream, and with the departure of Enery on keyboards, Lordi set out into a new cycle for the Oroclips era. But one more departure would follow. That's where we start today, as we discuss the Oroclips. From True Metal Podcast, I'm Matthew Kessie. And this is Monsters of Rock, The Lordy Story. And you're listening to episode 5, The Oroclips. Was that, yeah, was that decision then at that time for you to leave Lordy just before the release of the Oroclips? Was that an easy decision for you to make? Absolutely not. Uh, it wasn't easy, although in the same time it, it kind of was because I had uh, I had four kids at that time and no one no one no one of them was was in the school already. So my oldest one was six and yeah. my youngest one was just born and and we had lots of lots of family stuff going on back yeah. then and then then of course I I didn't see. You know any any bright future uh, with Lordy? Yeah. Because uh, we had already like struggled. We had struggled almost, almost struggled. Not not all the time, but almost struggled for three years. And and we have you have to be honest. Uh, we didn't get so much money out of that. Yeah. On that era, that that the money money or I don't know <laughs> what kind of money, but some kind of money came after the. Eurovision success, yeah, and, and the Oracle album album success, but uh, and that was really time. It was really time consuming, and um, we have we had a couple of long tours, and and well, I, I had I had an opportunity to do it, but I still decided that it's it's best that I'm I'm not part of that anymore. Yeah. After informing the band of his decision to leave. Kalman would record all of the bass parts on the third Lordy album, The Oroclips. When I informed the band that I would, I would leave, promised that we were already recording the album, the okay. Oroclips album. So I, 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 I promised the guys and I really wanted to, you know, record the basses on that album because I, I knew the songs and 
we had rehearsed them already so so I promised them to to play on that album and, and I'm glad that I did yeah. it was such a success while Kalma recorded the bass parts for the album he would not feature on the cover as this would eventually go to his replacement much like when Kalma replaced Magnum on Get Heavy Lordy's first album Kalma's final concerts with the band would also take place in November of 2005 in Russia. These, of course, would actually be Lordy's first gigs in the country and also Awa's first gigs with the band. Awa was, of course, Lordy's newest member at the time and the band's keyboardist. This is her journey into music. I was five when I got the piano and then I started the lessons. Maybe I had already turned six. So let's say from five years old. I, I don't know, I just, piano was somehow very tempting to me. I mean, when I was picking the instruments, like which one I would like to play, I was sure that I want to play something that piano was, I don't know, number one or, or second, because I also wanted to play Harp. <laughs> uh, yeah, but my parents didn't think that they were saying it's not so good idea. So then pick something else. Okay, then it's piano. Quite soon, I I saw keyboards like eighties. When I was a child, it was eighties and. The, in the music, the keyboards were very, like synthesizers were a very big thing and a kind of a new thing. And so I was fascinated by them. So maybe I was putting together like, I mean, a connecting piano and uh, synthesizers, even if they are not the same, but yeah, quite close. Our journey into music had progressed from keyboards to synthesizers. And it wouldn't be long after this that she would start playing in her first band. Then when I was a teenager, I joined my first band. It was called Punaiset Messiat. Okay. <laughs> it sounds, it's Finnish, it's called, it's like Red Messiah. Okay. <laughs> it was a punk band, a kind of indie band. That was my first real band. Awa and this band would then go on to record some albums together. Uh, I was uh, at least playing on three albums, but also that like Lordi, I joined Lordi later, not from the beginning. Mm. The same thing was with that band, uh, they had been already playing for a couple of years. Fast forward to 2005, and with Lordi needing a keyboardist after the departure of Enery, Awa would soon find her way involved with them, through a mutual contact between her own band and Lordi manager at that time for Lordi, he, he was called Arska Aritianen, who also was the owner of the record company that this, my first band was on in, how do you say? So I knew we were friends with Arska, the manager, for many, many, many years. And then I was watching one of his bands in some gig, and there uh, Arska was with Kita, okay. Samsa. Yeah. 
uh, there and then he introduced me to Samsa and, uh, and then I don't know maybe we connected a little bit and then I said oh I, I would love to play keyboards in your band if you ever have a position open give me a call and it was a little bit of a joke I didn't know and I didn't know that they already then were thinking to say to Enari that maybe she didn't fit in the band so then I don't know, it took some months and then Samsa called me like, hey, do you remember me? And, <laughs> and the rest is history. So it's it's good to, you know, open your mouth when you want to say, if you want something, it's better you say it out loud because then it might happen. You might think joining a band like Lordi would be intimidating at first, but it proved to be quite the opposite here. And this kind of seems to be the case a lot of the time with Lordi. It was fun. I mean, they were nice guys. Maybe with uh, Amen, I we was me and Amen. We had since the beginning a little bit like, a, um, you know, we sometimes we didn't fight for real, but we had some like sister and brother fighting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but we also, but we were good friends and we still are. But I mean that. Maybe with him since the beginning, we had a little bit like, hmm, do I like this person or not? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then, of course, it's then we got to know each other better. And I don't know, they were, uh, it's so long time ago. Yeah. I still remember that we met in a restaurant and I remember Mr. Lordy had for, he was uh, having a dinner and then for the dessert, he took a chocolate cake. And I love chocolate, so I was like, okay, he's a nice guy, he's liking chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) With Awa joining the band as the Countess on Keys, Lordi would also find a replacement for Kalma in the Hellbull Ox. Unfortunately, while Ox was interviewed for the series, he declined to have our interview featured as part of the documentary. Therefore, at the end of this series of Monsters of Rock, The Lordy Story, we'll upload the interview with Ox in full for you to listen to. Lordi entered the studio in 2005 to record the Eurocalypse alongside producer Jerky Doivani. This album would feature numerous guest appearances, all of which were idols and influencers of Lordi. They ranged from Dee Snyder and JJ French of Twisted Sister, Bruce Kulik, formerly of Kiss, and the German tank Udo Dirk Schneider of Accept and UDO fame. However, there was one other guest in the works for this album. one more was it okay <laughs> yeah there was one more sebastian bach right okay <laughs> yeah but 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 
character. He's he's he's. Yeah, he's always he's, known to be he's, one. So. He's a cool, fuck. I mean, he's so cool, but I mean, he's an, he's a force of nature. He he is <laughs> follows his own rules. <laughs> yeah, I mean he. I mean he promised to do it. Right. And he said he'll do it, and he wanted to do it, but he just has so much energy and and and, and enthusiasm in him that it's like. It, it, it just didn't happen in the time within the time frame yes. and, and and it's like I mean we were so <laughs> it was so fucking funny when when it's like uh, we met him uh, at some festivals or something before the Aracalypse album recordings or something and and you know we became you know, I mean he did the band he was really into into Lori and, and you yeah. can even see that, that, that it was one of those big deals when when you when you when you saw his DVD that came out later that he was wearing a Lori shirt on that on that DVD and we were like whoa <laughs> motherfucker god damn and, and it's like um and, he, and I, I, I emailed him so many times and all that. He's yeah, fuck on, yeah, fire it up, dude. Let's do it. Yeah. And they're like, all right, here's the here's the thing. So we need you to do this and that. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. And then it's like you're waiting and nothing happens. And then you're like, dude, dude, uh, are you gonna do it? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Fuck yeah, woo! And it's like then after a while becomes a longer while and it comes a longer while and you just keep asking and he's like yeah i'm gonna do it. fuck yeah <laughs> and, it's like, and it's nothing's happening and then you realize that okay he's one of those guys that it's like who has so much energy it's it's like a it's like it's like dynamite that is lit up that it, but it's in a too small of a little container that is like <laughs> exploding all the time so yeah. there's like so <laughs> so eventually it didn't happen yet it it might still happen because I'm pretty sure that he would still probably you know maybe he would want to do it again. Yeah. But the, the thing is that that after a while I stopped asking because I mean that and then then it was I don't know how long afterwards it was but then he contacted me and was like hey when are we gonna do this thing I was like well the album is already in the stores and (laughs) it's already done so i was asking for it for i don't know 10 months or something but okay let's see let's see another time but yeah so he 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 was supposed to be there and he really wanted to be and we really wanted him to be there but 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 then if you if somebody would ask ask what happened i would say sebastian bach happened (laughs) you know (laughs) The Eurocalypse era, with its many lineup changes and numerous guest appearances, was also the first time that Lordi's A&R manager, Janne Halmkrona, became involved with the group. And since 2005, Janne has been the man that Lordi bounces ideas off and gets feedback on them. And I guess the best point for us to start really here with Janne is actually finding out what A&R does, as I'm sure that many of you possibly have heard it but not fully understood what that role actually means. Well, it, it's actually changed now that I'm a freelancer. Because I, when I started at Sony, 
in 2005 and started working with Lordi right then. So it was it's kind of a bit different because um, basically what I do with them is well actually I t- what I do day to day it's easy to start that. So what I do is first uh, try to. Uh, turn Tom, Tommy's head because he has all these crazy ideas to to, uh, to make an album. <laughs> so I, I, I'm trying to convince him to do it other, uh, some other way. But he's he's very stubborn, and that's he, <laughs> that's like throwing gasoline into the flames. Because I mean, he's gonna he's, he's that's exactly what he, what he wants to do is what he wants to do, you know. Okay. So yeah, but basically, what I do is uh, first when we start the project, we talk about when what we're gonna do where what kind of album is coming and where in what studio and who's gonna produce and all, all the stuff like that we, that's what we decide together and I, I, I basically do all the like uh, like almost like a secretary <laughs> so in a way that I I book the studios once the studio is booked Lordi then has to choose which songs will make it onto the album a process which Yane says has evolved over the years. It's, it's changed a bit how we choose the songs. We first we we used to have this kind of poll, but that way everybody listens to all, all the songs, all the demos, and then we like create them. And what comes out of this really weird creating process, we decide then what what we're gonna record to an, to an album and. Uh, then we record maybe a couple of more songs, but like if you, if the album requires twelve songs, we're gonna record fifteen or sixteen or seventeen songs. And okay. then after after that's done, then we decide together which songs are gonna be on the album. And I normally help Tommy with the running order of the songs because I, I I really like to do that. And Tommy is always he has some kind of idea, but then he's he can he always ask for help for for on that and but nowadays uh, on this last album it's almost like Tommy writes the songs and me and him choose like we have we kind of do this preliminary selection of the songs together and then the rest of the band comes maybe a bit later into into the process and so that they don't have to listen to all the 50 songs or 60 songs that okay. Tommy has. So, so because it, it's sometimes we had like really like almost like a hundred songs to choose from. Yeah. And Yana's role also extends to the scheduling side of Lordi, which he tells me can be painfully difficult with this band. Lordi is the most difficult. It's always. It's because Tommy is very optimistic about his his, his schedule. He always thinks, oh, okay, he'll finish the costumes in that time and the artwork in that time and it always takes longer. Yeah. So we were always, especially at the end of the project, when the mastering and mixing and mastering is closing by with there's always panic <laughs> and I don't I don't know if it's my fault actually because I, I tried to I've actually tried to lie Tommy about the deadlines so that we could I mean so that I would we would get the stuff early enough but right. it doesn't work he knows he knows that when I'm lying <laughs> so he, and he called me oh I need another week and we don't have we can't do this in this time and I'm like, oh my god here we go again when Yanni initially started working with Lordi 
The band were sceptical of his involvement at first. I I'm also, I play in a Finnish rock band and we're, we're our band, it's very, we've been playing for 35 years and it's very like progressive arts kind of rock right. and so they were the, some of the guys were really hesitant about working with me because they thought that I'm gonna change Lori <laughs> so, <laughs> but but no of course not. it's their band and I yeah. just I just work with them not 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 my the, it's not my band so yeah I like experimental things so it's uh, sometimes everybody else is against his idea like the last like collection album so it was really hard to <laughs> to make everybody else understand the thing but I was like hey yeah that sounds yeah. great uh, that's because I mean the idea is so out out of theirs you know so that and, and I I'm because I, I, I think that the, the only good kiss album is the elder and so so, <laughs> so so finally we get you got one elder like Lordy song that I was really happy about. Yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> Don't tell me that I think that Elder is the only. Song. <laughs> well, he knows it doesn't matter. Yane's close relationship with Lordy means that he has to be critical at certain points, and I asked him here how Mr. Lordy usually takes that feedback. Yeah, well, he's such a nice guy that he always says that yeah, he, he listens to me, but then he always does what he wants. To nice. Do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but he's but he listens to yeah, he, he does listen to yeah. But he's uh, there, sometimes there's like it's it's the same there as well. There's some some sometimes like oh, there's a good chorus there, and he says that oh, it's not that good. And I said, well, come on, it's it's really good. But then he's like, no, it's not that good. And we kind of uh, it's like a ball game, you know, <laughs> that we have to kick. kick Kick balls to each other, and then we see what's gonna what's gonna happen, what's gonna which which is the goal. Kicking. We'll hear more from Yane in season two of this series, and the band that he is part of—that's that progressive alternative rock band that Lordy were a bit skeptical about being involved with him because of—was CMX, and you can hear them here. While Lordy were in the studio recording this album, they were approached with an idea and an opportunity. This opportunity was of course to enter the Eurovision Song Contest qualifiers and to represent Finland at the 2006 finals in Athens, Greece. But that's next time on the season one finale of Monsters of Rock, The Lordy Story. I'm Matthew Kessie and Monsters of Rock The Lordy Story is a True Metal Podcast production. I'd like to thank Lordy, Eamon, Kalma, Awa and Yane Halmkrona for their time, insights and kindness to the show. And please head over to True Metal Podcast's Instagram page to see the photo library for this week's episode. <laughs>